Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my lore soulmate with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm sorry, I was just distracted by her eyes. <laughs> How luminous they are. Yes. Oh, I'm dazzling. Contrary, contrary to the uh, the threads and, and comments that are apparently still going around randomly on the internet, Matt and I do not hate each other. We are actually very good friends. I don't understand that. Like we, we had, had one, one argument. <laughs> do you not argue ever? I've been in, like I've been married for like oh we're getting on to twenty years in a couple of years, and you know I- I'm sorry we have arguments. It, it happens. happens. Yeah. You know? It's not that you hate the other person. It's just, you know, things, <laughs> things happen. I, and that one wasn't even that bad. It was no. mostly just, you know, you know, sh- it was a druid conversation. Of course, we have some arguing. Druids are just, <laughs> yeah. As we're going to be talking about today, because, oh, man, Emerald Dream's out. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to be answering your questions. Now, I know I promised you guys that we were going to be talking about the next book. But uh, Matt and I have had this thing called Life Happen to Us. And uh, I don't know about Matt, but I have not had a chance to finish the book. Yeah, I have not. I have um, but we will get to it as soon as we are done with it. We want to make sure we give it the proper attention. And I don't know about Matt, but I know that when I read those books, I tend to leave a thousand notes behind of things that I want to talk with and connective yeah. tissue. I don't actually leave notes because I'm, I'm terrible about that kind of thing. But what happens is that I'll have moments that just kind of stick in my head, like sand mm-hmm. like in the in gears. And I just have to think about them 
just constantly. I'll be, it'll be basically like scene of me going through my life, you know, like sitting in front of a mirror, brushing your teeth, going, what the heck was that whole thing with the fire elemental? Then, you know, later on making dinner. I don't understand how they, they even got to the animal drink. Then you, you cut to like me outside playing with a dog. And I don't understand fire. What is the point of all, you know, so that's. It is accurate. You know, that's the kind of thing that happens to me. So, yeah, when we get to it, we'll get to it. All right. Well, instead, we're going to be answering questions today uh, from you, our wonderful listeners. Uh, as always, if you have questions for this podcast or any of our podcasts, I want you to go ahead and send those in. You can send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it's for and any special pronunciation of your name. If you don't want to hit us up on email, you can hit us up on Discord. We have two channels set aside, one for everybody, which is our Q and podcast questions channel. Pretty self-explanatory there. Same rules apply. And then we have our one for Patreon supporters. Uh, as a way of saying thank you to our patrons, we give you first billing. If you toss it in there, again, tell us what show it's for and any special pronunciation. We tend to give you uh write a first refusal when it comes to your questions showing up on our, our podcast. Uh, so yeah, send those in. We like them. More questions, more questions for the question. God, we're going to start with a question from Vertigree. Actually two questions. One. So that big light bulb in Halifax is clearly a holy equivalent to an old God. Isn't it uh, clearly slammed into the planet and burrowed down to corrupt the world soul with holiness, clearly feast upon the souls of his loyal minions. They are off the, who are who are told who we are told are sworn to bring hope and their light to the deepest corners of the world clearly crash into a whole human city on its way down healing and resurrecting them again and again as it crushed them against the earth or maybe safe in a big holy bubble dragging them down to the core <laughs> uh if this is something resembling an actual state of affairs actually is then the nerubians who as we reminded forsook the old gods are in fact the ones protecting the world soul from corrupting influence or were until the deal with Salatath. She really is a type. Uh, Queens, Modgood, Sylvanas, Ajara, and now Anshirak. Did they use the word conscripted, though? Uh, voices in the cinematic. The caption says, The voice Anduin hears the world soul. But my first thought is not to trust that and wonder if it's actually Zalatath, a fifth old god, or a Naru Colossus, whose voice do you think it was? So let's start with the first one. The Arathi, no idea. Right, we. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I have theories, but uh, wait, and I wait, think wait, they're way the heck off. But no, I, I would agree. Theories. I think the caps was Vertigree having his own tinfoil hat moment. But I, I'm interested in your theories. What do you have? One that you're willing to share with us today? Yeah, um, this one isn't necessarily going to answer the question, but it does kind of tie together some things. The first thing I thought when I saw that there's a giant light crystal being kind of an artificial sun in an enormous cavern underground. The first thing I thought was leaf shadow. Interesting. And the other atomi crystals. Yeah, I, I remember. Thought, I, I was thinking. Ahead. I was thinking atomi crystals. Like yeah, that was and, interesting. And and when I thought that, I thought back to the bit in um, the Ashbringer comic where they're all standing around, and he's got the piece that he pulled off of the warlock that you know some crystal he doesn't know where it's from and he touched it and it withered his hand uh the he in question is alexander uh, alexandros mograin by the way i'm sorry that i didn't put that up front but and uh so we he, should also probably backtrack though for those that don't understand what leaf shadow is just a little bit it's that it's a shard of uh of adam adam crystal that was held by restalon i believe it was it was yeah, valen's friend it was one of the it was the way into uh i forget i think talar yeah i think it was the it was way talar. into talar Yep. And essentially it, it it made a giant illusion around the city that it wasn't there. And the only way to get through it was leaf shadow. And um, 
Restalon had trusted both uh, Orgrim Doomhammer and Thrall's father, uh, whose name is escaping me, despite the fact that Durotan, Durotan, like Durotan's named after him. Why can't I remember his name? Because it's Durotan, dummy. Uh, Durotan and Grom had been friends of the Drana. They they met them when they were very young, and Velen met them and was like, "Yeah, these these kids are all right." So they trusted them with the knowledge that Lee Shadow existed. And thus, thus, how to get into Talar, which um, Duratan later used to destroy the city. Uh, that has been your was- your brief introduction to Leaf Shadow. Yeah, go. There's a lot more, but you know, much more. And when when Alexander Mogr- Alexander Smograin was fighting in the first war, he went up against an orc necrolite who had this weird crystal. The weird crystal was like seething with with powerful shadow magic. Uh, Mograin killed the dude. And then when he went to pick it up, it destroyed his arm. Mm-hmm. Like his arm was now a withered, useless thing. Uh, he brought it to a bunch of other paladins and he was talking to them about it. And one of them, I think the original uh, Abendus, Bridget Abendus's father, was like, let's just destroy this thing. And he hit it with the holy light. And instead of it being destroyed, it changed. It absorbed it almost. Yeah, it absorbed the light and began radiating light. Um, put a pin in this for later. We're coming back to it. Um, so the rest of the palace were like, what's going on here? And they all started hitting it with the Holy light. And when they were like done and it was, gl- it was glowing like a little st- glowing. And I, the description is like a sun. And so when Mograine picked it up, the Holy light went into his arm and healed it and restored him. And now mm-hmm. he was fully, he was fully capable of fighting again. The second they talked about this giant crystal, like being like a sun that I immediately thought of that. And when they said the thing keeps randomly going out. I immediately thought about how it switched mm-hmm. from light to dark and from dark to light. I think that that crystal that is now inside Ashbringer is an atomite crystal. It would make sense. And I think that the crystal, the atomite crystals, I believe they are, they are parts of a Naru. I would agree, especially because the original, the original atomite crystal was essentially one solid chunk of white crystal that then was, and it was broken yeah, down. And, right. And it was, it was on a uh, Argus. Yes. And it was there so long that the Dre- the Draenei of the time, who weren't Draenei yet, they were still called the Eridar, they didn't know where it had come from or what it was. They knew it was old, and they knew it was sacred, and that's it. And now- They just left it alone. And it was only when Velen went in and started basically saying, look, um, help anybody out there, help me make this decision. And the Naru responded to him through yeah. the crystal. And that's when we learned that the that the Atomai crystals had a connection to the Naru was in that mm-hmm. moment. And which is so, why now we refer to them as an artifact of Naru origin. So when we're talking about all this stuff, we, we saw in Legion that um, there were prime Naru, mm-hmm. like big, powerful Naru that bunch of other Naru descend from essentially. And by descend, you're literally talking but about like a crystal piece breaks off yeah. of them. They butt like an asexual organism almost. What if there's a Naru bigger than that? And it's it's literally inside or inside a um Azeroth. Azeroth. And it's that Naru that is radiating light out to everyone because it's not it doesn't have its satellite pieces. Well, and it would answer it would answer an interesting question though that we've been asking for almost twenty years now, which is why do Naru and why does the light care so much about Azeroth? Why is it there? Why does it seem to have such a concentration of power versus 
other places. While there are wielders of light throughout the universe and time and space, because that's a thing that we have to consider now, it does seem like there is usually an unfathomable number of light creatures that are drawn to Azeroth or things that have a direct connection to Azeroth. Could it be? Go ahead. Go ahead. And now let me go to stage two of what I'm thinking here. This giant crystal chunk is underground, right? Mm -hmm. It's underground and reachable through where we're going to get down to it. the, The Isle of Dorne, which is an island in the sea, right? Yeah. The islands tend to be the places that were the closest to the Well of Eternity when it sundered. Yeah, because they were the most violently pushed away, or at least took yeah. the brunt of it. Because what was the original uh, well, or where was the the mm-hmm. the well was literally in the center of the then Kalimdor, which was exactly in the midway point between the Kalimdor we have now and the Eastern Kingdoms, which is now the Maelstrom. Yeah, and so here we go on on, on this. What entity that is not an, a, a Titan was involved in the various? Uh, Pillars of, I want to say pillars of creation. Yeah, the pillars of creation, right? That's what they were called? Pillars of creation, yes. Yeah, the various pillars of creation. One of them was not. Alun. Uh, it was the tier of Alun, right? Yep. Where is Alun said to be coming from and going every day? Yep, from, they say they're rising and falling from, rising from the moon well or the, um, the well, of eternity. well of eternity and then descending back into it during the daytime. And to the point where the city of, um, um, there was originally the city of Elundris that Ashara renamed to Zin Ashari, Glory of Ashara. Elundris was another, was basically on the other side of the Well of Eternity from uh, Suramar. Mm-hmm. It was in it was in kind of where Ashara is now, but obviously it's gone unless it's underwater. But whatever. Point being, now we start thinking about the fact that in Suramar was the gigantic temple of Elun that had a bridge that literally went across the Well of Eternity. Mm-hmm. And so it would have probably gone to Alundris. I start thinking about this. I start thinking about all this different stuff. And it occurs to me when we saved, I want to say, I can't remember the name of the Naru that came for Illidan. Oh, I want to say um, X-Hall, but that's not it. No, no, no. Um, go ahead. I will look it up. Yeah. When we found her, like her, her main body piece, we couldn't get it to awaken until we took the tear of a loon. Zera. Zira, thank you. That's why I keep on calling it Exile. Anyway, we took the, the Tear of a Loon to the Zira fragment and awakened it, which mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be able to do because only someone related to the Prime Naru should have been able to do that. So here I go with my crazy theory. I wonder if it lines up with, with something I've been thinking about. Go ahead. Underneath Azeroth is a piece of Elun. Mm-hmm. That yep. is this giant crystal fragment that is acting like a sun. Because what does the Torin mythology say about the moon? Musha. Musha has a a sibling, not a sibling, like a lover, a, a husband. Anshe. Yep. Anshe is the sun and is also one of the two eyes that's supposed to, you know, Musha and Anshe. Anshe apparently grants paladin abilities to Torin. Mm-hmm. Torin got their idea of the light from Forsaken, who got it from being human once. Humans got it from Lord Dane, who got it from Tyr. What if, now, again, the Pillars of Creation, we've got three artifacts of the Titans and one artifact of Elune. That's Anshe down there. That's the sun that the Torin are talking about 
when they're talking about, remember the Torin myth has a whole story about them being corrupted by sinister forces underground. Yep. There's a whole thing about it. Yep. And that has to do the with the dark Illumi. sinister forces. Hold on a second. The yeah. dark sinister forces, dark sinister forces. Yeah. So bringing it all together, I think it's either a piece of a loon or it's Anshe who would still be related to Zara because they were, they were like a pair. Yeah. They were together. Yeah, so that's something that I've been thinking about for a little while, too, since hearing about the sun is we and we talked about this way, 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 way back when we did our our class breakdowns a couple years ago now at this point. And we talked specifically about paladins and what why certain races could become paladins or why they couldn't. And to bring it back, we know that night elves worshiping a loon and worshiping the moon can become paladins because the moon is still a source of light. Um, mm-hmm. Yangal when Torin can harness the power of Anshi and Yangal do it in a destructive fiery manner, which we are seeing very similar to uh, what our human uh, or, or, yeah. or what we would assume are going to be our human compatriots here deep underground are doing a lot of similarities there with that. Just yeah, with a lot difference is that the Yongal are hurting themselves. Yes. Do it. They're like literally lighting themselves on actual fire. Yes. And it seems like they, that's feels to me like that's because they're not getting the insulating was, benefits of the sun, the, the light. The I was the, just the going to say that. Yeah. Um, and then you have the sort of the the pal the the Sunwalker version of it, which is much more controlled and respectful, but has that sort of layer of protection. Um, but I was wondering if that was part of the reason why Alun was descending into the Well of Eternity. If that was a thing that was happening because it was the easiest way down underground through a source of power into essentially the life stream of this being that Alun is cares about that Alun is nurturing and left a piece of themselves behind. What if Alun was never, was, wasn't always Alun and Anshi wasn't always Anshi. What if, we talked about this when we compared them to, uh, Tathamet yeah. and, and, and the diamond, you know, and, uh, Anu and, and how they became, they split from one perfect being. Well, we know that that's how Naru reproduce in the first place right exactly but and what if that's why the naru flock there what if that's why there's that connection with the loon but also what if that is even a step further because the other thing that i've been thinking about too is is shadowlands a lot shadowlands gave us a lot of information that i think we don't talk about enough and it's the ordering of the cosmos on a, a much larger scale than the titans we often talk about the titans at, oh 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 you know where I'm going with this? I don't know if I do or not, but you just reminded me of something. I'm just going to like, I'm going ding. And now you can tend to do Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens, folks. Thanks for a degree. Um, so there's sort of I'm trying to think how to phrase this co- co- coherently. We learned that there are these beings that sort of take up the similar role to the Titans. They are the, the pantheon of death. They have the rules. They're connected with it. They do what they need to do, and they sort of order their realms around them. The Titans essentially do the same thing. We also know that Alun refers to uh, the queen, the Winter Queen, as her sister. They are related in some capacity. They are aware of each other. What if all the Naru, what if the origin of Alun and Anchi and everything is a titanic being from that realm of light that couldn't possibly descend into this universe or tried tried to descend into the prime material plane essentially 
and couldn't and splintered as a result of it. See, now here's, here's where I think I'm different than you, because I don't think that it was a mistake. That it was intentional. That, yeah, that, that yeah, maybe that's what they had to do, the price they had to pay. Look at the Void Lords. I was, the, they, yep, exactly. Yep, I was going right there with it. Okay, go, 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 go. The Void Lords can't enter our reality. It's too inimical to them. They just, they can't be, pure nothingness can't be in a place that has things. It just, it can't, they can't do it. So what so do instead, they do? They break off pieces they throw, of themselves. Yeah, they rip chunks of themselves off and throw it into our universe. But they do it in a way that corrupts and bends and tears the things that they are exposed to. They're using the material of the, the universe as an, you know, it, that's how they do it. They, that's their, their art because they are limited in that way. The, the, the Naru are limited in exactly the opposite way. They don't twist and bend the, the things of our universe, which is why what Zera tried to do to Illidan was so wrong. You know, even, I think even Velen was like, this is blasphemy. This is shocking. Zera tried to do something that's non-Naru. And I think that's one of the reasons that she got blown up, uh, quite frankly. But the Naru have chosen instead to have that cycle. Because the cycle is supposed to be there between light and void, between light and darkness. There's supposed to be a cycle, you know? The, the old ones are beyond the cycle. They've broken it, and that's, that's their transgression. The, the Naru know that there's supposed to be one. And the reason they know this is because this is the price that they had to pay to get in, is they had to accept it. They had to go along with the, the, the cycles and nature of the world they were entering. And that's why I think, like when Joe was talking before, one of the things I keep thinking about is, is this simple idea. Anshe and Musha are described as lovers. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's what they are. Yeah, because that could mean anything. Any sufficiently close entity can yeah. be construed as lovers, right? Now, or imagine- it could be a mistranslation. Yeah, imagine this. Like, think about this for a second. The Titans apparently respected whoever Alun is or was to the point where they, like, you know, the tier of Alun is one of the four artifacts. Where did, Joe's Fre- talk- where did Freya's yeah. soul go when it was ripped out of the yeah. body? Yeah, Alundris, a moon named after Alun. Now, if Joe, what Joe was Anar. saying earlier. Anar. Yeah, Anar. Yeah, you're right. But Freya is Anar's little, little puppet. But yes. anyway, when Joe was talking before, I, w- I want you to remember that with the things Joe was saying, because think about it this way. We know that the void Lords are effectively the rivals of the Pantheon who, who don't step into our reality. If there's a light based version of this, it would be greatly respected. And any of it's the fragments it threw into our reality would be greatly respected. If it basically plucked its eye out for lack of a better word, because it's not, we're not talking about an actual being with a form as far as we know. But if you've got this thing that is the closest thing that Alun could possibly have to a child, that she sent forth her only offspring into our world, and that offspring is Anshe, mm-hmm. yes, of course she'd want to visit him. She'd want to send, you know, she'd want to make manifestations. We know she can manifest in our world, right? We've seen her do it. The Night Warrior is one such example. So she can't just show up, but she can work through others. She can make manifestations. Of course, it would want to descend into the world and see Anshe, because Anshe is being the son for the Earth Mother. He's not the son for the world outside that 
that has a son. It doesn't need another one. He's being the son for inside the Earth Mother, which is Azeroth. And that's Anshe. That's what Anshe is doing down there. That's why the Titans and the Elune work together because they were kindred in their desire to like the Titans are more orderly and light is not about order, but they each want to oppose the void. And so they would make up, they'd make a good working partnership. We see Titan forces respecting the light greatly. Mm-hmm. We see Tyr using the light. We see Noroshan using the light. They, they, they believe it's, you know, they are in much the same way. What do we see the, the Mogu who are the creations of the Titans through the Titan forge? What do we see them using anima? Mm-hmm. And anima is everything. Everything is made out of anima. The power of anima is generated through life. Oh, and a- then let, go let, ahead. Let's not forget about the Shadowlands, where we've learned that the light can scour anima. Yeah. Like they so literally a- waged war in a whole zone. Yeah. And all of this comes back to my theory that that, that crystal is Anshe. Yeah. And Anshe has been down there for however long. But now think about this. What happens to Anaru when they expend all of their light? They become they dark. Go, they go dark cycle. They go void. They become void creatures. They're even actually called void lords. Mm-hmm. Now, are they the void lords? Are they a reflection of the void lords? Do the void lords reach out into the Naru and say, "Okay, this is you know you, you've been there, you've been working for them. Now you're going to work for me." And is that why these crystals, if you break them up small enough, you can you know I, use them as power sources? I, I think I think I think there might be something else to it though too. Because what? Okay, go ahead. What do what do crystals do? I mean, they grow. No, they respond. Well, to, they do. Though. They do, but they respond to frequency. They're essentially nature's tuning forks. Um, I know a lot about this because of my day job, which is why crystals are used in a lot of like very delicate sensors. Mm-hmm. That exists throughout the world because they are. I mean, very exactly, uh, but they are very, very sensitive to frequencies. When you're expending all the power, I don't think maybe necessarily it's. I'm starting to wonder if it's the expenditure expenditure of the power that's doing it, or if it's the calibration of the sensitivity to the tuning of it. And the light and the void exist constantly. They ebb and flow into our realm constantly, and they operate at very opposite ends of the spectrum. When you move, shift, or reshape a crystal, it will pick up on different frequencies based off of that. Or if you change the density and the composition therein, it might not be that it's burning all of its energy that it's turning it into the dark cycle, but because of what it's choosing to do, it's changing itself because it's a living creature. And what have we learned throughout Shadowlands and Battle for Azeroth and everything we've done so far? To be alive, to be a living being is to change. And they can go through those cycles. They can change back and forth. But what if it's just them changing what they're listening to? And that lets the Void Lords kind of beam in, for lack of a better term. That constant dissonant whisper that's always happening all of a sudden worms its way in because that's what happens. Maybe it's not a, a whole energy thing. And by pouring light into it, by pouring uh, that, you change the density, you change the frequency, almost like a decay cycle. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to that, too, because we also know that they are sensitive to time as well because we've seen them use crystals to essentially tell prophecy. 
because they can see like going back to Velen, right? Velen can go to the light. The light gives him prophecy who also has the capability of saying prophecy shadow. The difference is the light tries to tell you one very specific thing. One narrow band of it is what happens. And the void's like everything, everything is good, but it's still the same sort of area of looking ahead and broadcasting. Does that make sense? Actually, yeah. But you know what you're making me think of? Go for it. What do we call Azerite? I mean, like, what's it called all the, the blood, time? We're calling yeah, we're calling it the blood. Yeah, but it forms crystals. Yeah, exactly. It forms crystals. And what does those now, crystals do? But think less about what the crystals do and about what they might signify for a second. What what if the blood of a of a not yet born Titan or whatever Azeroth is forms crystals, and we know we're going to be looking for the black blood of the old gods which is another blood that is actually oftentimes when you saw Saranite, Saranite wasn't liquid. Saranite was metallic. It was crystalline. Well, yeah, when it was hardened and forged, it became it, but there was, but, there was liquid Saranite. There was liquid Saranite, but it, when you see hardened Saranite, it wasn't always, we didn't do that necessarily to forge it. We found it. There was plenty of Saranite on this, you know, just in mineable chunks on the, on the near the surface of the world. Now, we, you and I have talked before about what is that. Maybe that Saranite is actually corrupted Azerite. Yeah. Right. We've talked about that. Yeah, we have. Absolutely. Now think about why is the tear of a loon like a tear? It, it looks like a big chunk of crystal, right? Yeah, but sure does. The tear of a loon. Did tear, did a loon secrete it and then it hardened? Well, how like, did the new one get formed? Yeah. Because apparently because a loon cried. Like there's, there's a lot to this that I'm, I've been, I've been thinking about ever since I, I started thinking about Anche. A lot of these things seem to be basically essential in nature, like not essential in nature as in, we got to have this essential as in part of their essence. Like Azerite is the essence of the, of the, this, this, the final Titan or the world soul, or what do you want to call it? That's trying to be born. It's, 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 it's nature. It's, it's being, it's, it's for lack of a better word. Um, it's, it's anima. It is these things. Yeah. Now, what does that make these crystals that come into our reality? Like, you know, what, what are they exactly? They are they the same thing, but for the, the entities from the sphere of light. And what does that make the old gods whose stuff is often fleshy and putrefied, but we know that the Titans like to turn, like to make flesh things. In fact, there's a whole idea that the, the, um, original Titan forge were supposed on other worlds. They are flesh to begin with. And they only were re- the only reason they used the materials they did on Azeroth was to make them strong enough to fight against elementals and servants of the old gods. They used rock and stone and metal because those, uh, those elements are more durable than flesh. And then you start thinking, okay, wait a minute. We've, we've postulated before that the curse of flesh is in fact, it's not actually a curse. It's it's what's supposed to happen. It's built into the, the the various creations of the Titans, but the old gods have figured out a way to activate it, right? We've talked about that before, huh? We absolutely have. So now think about all of this together for a second. The old gods are are from a world of nothing. So what are they at all? How can they be anything? What do you get when you get fragments of nothing? Well, if you think about it in in a in a genetic sense, viruses. Yeah. And if you think about viruses in a data sense, viruses are programmed, right? They're programs. Yeah. But a lot of times they are programs that that's whole purpose is to generate nothing, to to corrupt 
and overwhelm a system. And that's why I don't think, I think that's why the old God's blood could turn Azerite into Saranite for, to use just one example. I think that's why Yog saron who we saw before that the stuff was liquid, then it turned st- other stuff solid. Well, I mean, heck go, just go into Yog's room. Now go, you can literally go into that room. That's a pool of liquid Saranite around Sarah, around the, the visage of Yog saron It's that's what it is. And that stuff makes Chris apparently makes Azerite crystals turn into Saranite crystals. Yeah. It's in fact possible that we shouldn't even be calling the liquid Saranite. Should be Azerite. No, it shouldn't be Azerite. It should just be, you know, Sauron's blood because the the night, the Saranite is like Azerite. It's, it's the element of it. It's the material object that you can get that has corrupted the essence of the old gods. Yeah. And we know that because they they cycle through, but also I think it's interesting that if you look at the composition of liquid Saranite and look at Azerite, it's essentially Maybe it's a game mechanic thing, but I'm choosing to believe that it's a, 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 the colors are similar for a reason. That the palette, like it's essentially a one to one palette swap if you were going to the inverse color scheme. Like if you were literally to flip the image to the negative, it, that's what it would look like. Yeah, that's not a bad point. I hadn't thought about complete, that. Too complete much. with the swirls too. Yeah, the, the swirls I knew about. But. Because the yellows, the yellow, the yellows of the Azerite turn into that green spectrum. It's a very light green because those are, while they are adjacent, when you do, and sorry, color theory, folks, um, when you flip to the inverse, it becomes this bluish green because that's, it goes from a very warm color to a very cool color that's exactly opposite of it. And that's what it is. The red, because it is an extremely warm color, turns to a deep purple black. And that's exactly what Serenite is, is that blue-green with the purple-black swirls through it. That's what it is. And so if you think about that from the perspective of what's happening to that crystal underground, um, we know it's closer to it's closer to, you know, Azeroth's, you know, the, the heart of Azeroth, he keeps saying, the the underground place where wherever it is under there, that Azeroth's essence is. The thing that the jailer tried to basically drill a hole into the planet to get to. Um, we know he's closer, but he's also closer to where the old gods are or were, to where that that, you know, the blood of the old gods is. And if he's basically being overwhelmed like we'll go with joe's analogy for a second here if he's basically being overwhelmed because the area around him is full of old god chatter or void chatter for lack of a better word and he can't help but get it because he is a giant he's a giant crystal yeah more or less you know so he well, can't help but hear it and as he's using his power so i'm working in my idea too as he's using his power to defend these people and keep them safe Eventually, he hits points where he's like, "Why am I doing this?" Well, let's let's just look at Azeroth. Look at Azeroth and what we we did. I think it was at the end of BFA when we were dealing with Magni, um, and like going through and dealing with the nightmares that Azeroth was having. Why was Azeroth having those nightmares? What were those nightmares that were popping up? They were old god. They were agents of the void. The things we were fighting were literally dark shadows of doubt given form. Why? Because the constant whispering and gibbering of the old gods and the void and the corruption is something that Azeroth picks up on. The other thing though, to think about when you think about that is that some of them were like, for instance, the legions coming and it's, it's easy to think maybe the old gods were just using that to their, to their advantage. And maybe they were, but maybe we can go back to that thing. Joe was talking about where we say that, that this stuff tends to seem to be able to, to predict time. First off, the Titans can actually give you time powers. Yeah. And if 
they have the, you know, have the connection to it. So right there, that's something to think about. But another thing to think about is we talked about Velen being able to see the future. We know that Anduin has in the past seen the future while dealing while, while, while talking to Velen. The two of them have seen the future separately and together. Why wouldn't Azeroth be able to see the future, even if it can't tell what's going on, even mm-hmm. if it's not mm-hmm. a fully formed being that can understand it? Why wouldn't it have that ability but, if these other people do? Well, and now take it a step to, further. Take it a step further. Oh, it's it's a it's a being a titanic being that has had the influence and touch of every single other member of the pantheon in their respective facilities in their respective specialties piping into it over countless centuries hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of course it's going to potentially have that. The Eye of Amonthul was just kind of chilling out. Like for how long? Over a well. Over the well. In what facility? Right next to what? The open wound that led directly into uh, the deep places? It was literally right there. Like the huge font of titanic power over another huge font of titanic power. But coming back to that. Yeah, sorry. this This is the part that I'm really trying to get to here. Think about for a moment. It's not just the Pantheon. It's not even just like the the void lord servants and the old gods that have touched Azeroth. Um we don't know if it's been touched by anything else except for one thing that we absolutely know it's been touched by and that's the jailer. Yeah. Who is originally the arbiter of the pantheon of death. He is their he is their Amonthul. Yeah, more or less. He's just been he's also their Sargeras. It's like if Amonthul and Sargeras were the same dude in ter- you know in terms of what happened to him. He basically turned his back on everything because he had visions. And what were those visions? Of, of things to of come. Exist- things to come, existence itself being destroyed. We I just said before there's a proper cycle to to light and void, to to the to the holy light and to the void. The idea of the fire illuminating darkness, darkness cloaking over, you know, unknown things, blah blah. My point here is just simply that the Void Lords broke that when they threw their servitors into our reality. When they created the old gods and hurled them in, not just into Azeroth. Azeroth is not the only world that's had them come to it. Um, we, we even see that the one of the things that that Alun's champion has the power to do the night warrior can destroy an old god and has done so so they broke the compact by by sending them in there they they broke something and we know something that isn't them is coming Mm -hmm. 
And we've gotten glimpses if, of it, right? We yeah. because we, now we've we've that's seen what Zoval saw. That's what Zoval saw. And then what do we see the entire time of Shadowlands? What was popping through the edges of reality yeah. to consume Devour. devourers? And what are they? Are they not physical manifestations of something larger, a horde? Like I will always liken it back to Tyranids in 40k because it's the it's the most pressing comparison I can make. But that's that's in, like an obscenely large threat to all of reality because it just consumes it just wants that matter wants that energy the void the void wants to unmake existence so that it can be back to being nothing like it was that's not what this thing wants it wants to eat everything and it can apparently even eat nothing Mm -hmm. you know that's the thing to really think about what if there's like the first ones created our universe because there's a bigger reality far beyond even the, the various planes we see on the cosmic orrery there's an out in that massive true void surrounding existence lurks hunger and that hunger wants to eat everything and together the forces that we know of created in the way they were originally created are strong enough to defend existence yeah but they're not together the very fact that the naru can tune into sh- to shadow might be an attempt to right the cycle there's supposed to be a cycle. Um, the fact that fell even exists is apparently because of that cycle. Which would make sense, because what is fell? Yeah. Chaos, change. Yeah, it's entropy. At, at the same time that ca- that fell often seems malevolent and evil, um, we know that fell's real purpose is change. That it, mm-hmm. it is a mutagen. It, it alters things. And that's the whole point of existence, is for things to change, as Joe pointed out earlier. So, So bringing it all back to the original question, which we have trampled all over like a herd of elephants here. You're welcome. Is that thing some kind of light-based old god? Yes. But not in the way you think. Yeah. It's not. It is here, not necessarily for us or to help us, but to attempt to fix something so cosmically broken that it's driving the Naru to extremes. Like, for instance, what Zera tried to do to Illidan. Mm Mm-hmm. That was not the right thing to do. It wasn't the good thing to do. It wasn't even the light thing to do, but it was what Zera saw as necessary, that she knew that they had to have Illidan, that Illidan had to be helping, and she couldn't conceive of Illidan helping just because he wanted to, because she doesn't have that option. Like we've talked before, free will is not something the Titans understand. Even though no one seems to be making the Titans do anything, they are acting according to something a lot like programming. Yeah, Their and we're going to even say so. Yeah, and th- that's the thing. Like, we're going to find out a little bit more about that. We, lear- we, we learned about that during BlizzCon with this next cycle of expansions that are coming out, not just in, you know, the war within. We're going to get, beyond, bit, yep. we're going to get, we're going to get that for sure. We're going to get more of that, too, when we go to midnight, because it's going to be dealing with the void, and we're going to understand more about the void, because for as much as we've dealt with the void, we really haven't dealt with the void. We've dealt with the old gods, maybe, kind of, and they are mercurial at best. But then we're going to get to the last Titan or final Titan, whatever you want to call it. Like, I think the name's going to shift before it goes live. Just calling it now. Um, Metzen even said that we're going to find out more about what the Titans plans were. And it's not necessarily what we think. And that harkens back to, 
you know, what Matt and I used to, what we started talking about way, 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 way back when is they had a plan. They were programmed to do something. There was something that they needed to do in the same way that the Pantheon of Death were doing what they were programmed to do and just mm-hmm. happily moving along until uh, Zoval's like, nope, I'm good. I see what's coming. We need to change things. And Sire Denathrius is like, mm, I could throw more parties. Let's go. Um, but they were content for the most part to kind of stay in their lanes and just continue yeah. to do it. And like, what did, what did the winter queen say when, when we talked with her about what she knew about this realm and, and her birth is that one day she just woke up and the realm was here and it was, as it was always been there and it always been hers. And then the first life popped up or and I'm air quoting life here because it is the, the realm of the shadows, but then she, just knew to create more and knew where to direct the anima and knew where to direct things to go back to where they were from. If it wasn't the stay in the shadowlands, like she just knew. And then we go to the facility of Zareth Mortis and we find out, no, they are actually robots. They are legitimately forms given purpose with power and, and programming. We learned all mm-hmm. about that through the Paco Paco stuff, which I love that little guy, but like, I, I don't, I don't think people talk about that enough. I think that that's been sort of forgotten. Well, for that matter, I mean, if you want to see an example of what that means, they're not, when we say they are robots, what we mean is they are created beings. They are created beings. There there are spare forms, much like we saw with the, um, the watchers and the, the, uh, why can't I think of the name now? They're the, the, like the earthen and the, the stoneborn and (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, another way to put it is to look at like the consulars because they looked a lot like the consulars in that they were like beings that looked like almost like star pieces. And that's the thing that I kept thinking about in terms of going back to like all of this stuff. These things might exist in every reality. What if the void Lords that we know about very vaguely are this thing for the void and they like Zoval turned on it for some reason, they saw something coming and believed there's no point to fighting it. We can't possibly win. We should just wipe everything out. And go back to nothing, and then we'll be fine. Well, and don't forget, Zoval, Zoval didn't even want to just wipe everything out. He wanted to rebuild everything in a stronger, yeah. a stronger image, right? Because he believed that he could make it, like if he, that if he were in control of it, he could make well, it stronger. And, and here's the thing: he's not. He wasn't wrong. Well, we don't know. Well, no, think no. We do actually. If we and not to go on a completely wild tangent, but I think this is something also that that is important. His method was incorrect i think in the fact that he wanted to kill everything and and go through but look what he did with scraps of souls look what he created with those and i'm not saying that this was a good thing but he proved that he could take things that were weak or shredded or incomplete and turn them into well essentially raid bosses things that required you know a army of the 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 universe's best champions in order to take down like he had an army of these things that he was slowly building that sort of proved his point. Not I don't, I'm I'll tell you right now, uh, just because he could make things that were hard to kill doesn't prove his point because it doesn't mean he's making a universe that would be immune to whatever's coming. You notice Fair. the few times, the few times we saw devourers like in raids, they stomped all over whatever the jailer and Denathrius had to put up against ah. them only denathrius they weren't going against any of the creations yes. of the jailer they never did yeah but he denathrius was one of the jailer's servants we don't my point is just we don't know yet 
what would have happened in that matchup. But we do know this, and I think this is the important thing. I think everyone responds to this stuff in a different way because it's what you were talking about going way back when they're out there in their theoretical realms of whatever they are, like when they're just in the death realm or when they're in the void or when they're in the light or in order, that's one thing. But when they enter into our reality, which is made up, and, and you've, I remember you've made this point more than once, made up of all of those things kind of in contention and in you know coordination, because that's how the first ones designed it, to use everything. Mm-hmm. When they step in there, they go from concepts to entities. And when they become entities, they're quote-unquote alive. Like using, the, I'm going to use the example of the Titanforged. The Titanforged are alive. Yeah. Because we know they are because humans and dwarves and gnomes descend from them. At least we're going to learn about it even more in the next expansion of the war within when we go and find the earthen that have been existing for millennia on their own that basically became dwarves independent and they they can't, they can't reproduce. Why is that? We're going to find out. And that comes back to what I'm talking about in that if you, if being alive means you can change, that might be, the problem that Zoval had was that he didn't understand yes. that change is what's necessary. He wanted to freeze the cosmos, take, rip it back down. He basically wanted to do what Sargeras did. He wanted to go blank slate on existence and start over. And now he'll make it stronger. Except that, sure, it might be stronger, but it wouldn't change. And the change is the point of all of this. It's the reason the Naru might be the best exemplars of the process in 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 total because the the naru understand that there's a cycle and you have to you have to work with it Mm -hmm. if you don't you make everything worse zoval would have made everything worse uh sargeras will absolutely make everything worse um oh bloody hell like and and i think that like the 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 we the thing to keep focusing on here is that i think that the the pantheon of death the problem they have is that they've never actually gotten to go into our universe. That's why they're still operating on programmed principles much stronger than the way the Titans are. The Titans have changed their methodology over the over the eons. They've learned how to adapt to smaller, more ephemeral life forms. They learned how to interact with them. The, the Pantheon does not understand these concepts. Look at what happened when the Arbiter goes bad. They just make another one. Mm-hmm. Like just, they've just like, yep, make another one. They don't have the ability to do what living souls can do. That's why it's interesting that a, a living soul has now taken on the aspect of the arbiter. Well, it's not really a living, he's not really a living soul per se. Uh, Well, no, he is because he's a living soul. He's just dead, but he was alive. My, My point is that he comes from the land of the living. He is still alive in that he still has his anima and he's still an entity unto himself. What Zoval was doing to those soul fragments and stuff is literally taking all that out of them and just using them as raw material, hammering them into a form. And I think that that's the, the mistake. It's the same mistake that Odin wants to make. Yeah. And the, the, okay, but there's a certain element of it, but I mean, and again, this is not me apologizing for Odin. Cause I always want to punch his smug flamey face. Um, <laughs> it's, but it's one of those things where they're, wrong but also right but they're right for the wrong reason yeah the, i wouldn't I, even argue that they were wrong or right i would argue that it's their 
perspective. I'm going to go to the Spider-Man video game for a second. here. Nothing Dr. Octopus thinks is necessarily quote unquote wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just that he doesn't understand the, his, his perspective is skewed. He's not thinking clearly because he's obsessed with what's happened and his revenge that he wants to have. It doesn't, he's no longer thinking about all the variables involved in what he's trying to do. Uh, in a similar way, I, I think that's true of Zoval. I think that's true of, of Odin. I think that's true of Sargeras. Oh, sure. It is, it's the mistake of somebody who thinks, well, I know what's happening. I'm apparently the only one who sees the danger and un not understanding that a, you need to be able to change to do these things, but B you also need to be able to build well, things. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like the other thing that I think is interesting is like the aspect of it, of Odin and the jailer looked at it from a way of, this is raw material to be forged to the means, but the idea of combining the power to a unified front to, to confront the terrors that are coming is correct. Just not the way oh, they yeah. were doing it. Right. And that's, yeah. that's what, I, that, that's what I mean. Like when I say that they're, they're right. Is that. Yeah. But again, I think it's because they understand what's happening. They understand mechanically. Yeah. But it's like, um, I was trying to put it. It's, there's a very big difference between, you know, forcing a bunch of people to do something and getting a bunch of people to do something. Asking people to join together in a common cause tends to work a lot better than just press ganging everyone and, and forcing them to do it. Agreed. And one of the things that I keep thinking about is actually based on a mistake that I made while, while on one of these podcasts. It might have been the Blizzard Watch one, but I used the term Shanghai, which is offensive because it's it's in, it basically turns Shanghai into a pejorative. The origin of that phrase. Well, our listeners never got to hear that, by the way. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I'm telling them now, and because I'm telling them now, I don't think it's necessarily. No, you're good. You're good. Specific. You're good. But my point is, I didn't I didn't think about it when I said it, and Joe very very rightly stepped in and said, "Hey, Matt, that's offensive," and that got me thinking about the roots of the word. The reason that the word was called that was literally because the British Navy was sailing up to boats that weren't part of the British Navy or even necessarily the British Empire and forcing the crews to become part of their force to take Shanghai. The, those people were literally slaves forced to help conquer another people. It, did it work? Yeah, it worked. But did it last? You know, in the in this, it's one of those things that you have to think about. Anything you try and do is always going to have a consequence, right? Yep. And it's it's sometimes with the jailer in particular, but I think with all of them, brute force is sometimes much simpler. And that's what he was going for. But it's kind of like Alexander the Great with the Gordian knot. Sure, he figured out a way to, you know, he who unties the Gordian knot will become master of Asia. He cut it in half. That's how I'm going to untie it. Now it's 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 not tied anymore, is it? Yeah, but you destroyed it. Now it's gone, man. We had this magic knot. Now we don't. And you'll notice Alexander's reign didn't last because that was all he knew how to do was conquer things. He didn't know how to build with them. He only knew how to build atop them. And that's what a lot of this keeps going back to that in my head. And we have, wow, we are far off of what we were originally talking about. Uh, but yeah, I think you've got a really good point about that idea of complexity that you were talking about. Do you remember mm -hmm. like, going back a couple now, but you were talking about how all these things recombine in Azeroth's reality. Yep. You know, and oddly enough, like 
I never even occurred to me until just now as we were talking about it. But the fact that the Lich King has all those death machines built on top of Northrend that apparently reach down into the world itself. They actually touch Azeroth's world soul means that Azeroth has been touched by the, by the, by the undead for at least 30 years. Oh yeah. It's a lot to think about, right? And and it's interesting to see how far things have come from such the simple, very hard line right and wrong that we started this, this game journey with and the story with go for it. Why did Yogg-Saron call himself the god of death when he was not from the realm of death at all? And why was the Lich King so willing to use Saronite in all of his armor and weapons and stuff when it was not from death, but from void? Why? Well, that's what I'm thinking. What if they were trying to... the, the, The old gods were, of course, always trying to get out. They were trapped, right? So they were trying to suborn that kind of stuff. But what if they were actually trying to get into when the jailer recreates reality, they would be right be there. Part, exactly. They would be part of the building blocks of that universe. We literally just talked about this with Nazoth and the reorigination device, the reorigination yeah. device. What does it do? It breaks yeah. apart the matter and recombines it. We didn't kill Nazoth. We just made him a part of Azeroth. Sorry. Did I say that out loud? Did I ruin it? Like, I've been thinking about this ever since that as well. It's like, that is the ultimate per like it's their perfect end game. Oh, but Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. Oh, but this you just made me think of something. Go for it. We keep actually, you know, we, we just, we just made his off part of Azeroth. You said, yeah, and we've been thinking about that as a negative thing, right? Yep. What if that was always the intention? But no, what if, yeah. What if by making his off part of Azeroth, you make Azeroth the whole of Nizoth. Nizoth will now actually have something that he is. Yeah, well, so now, you, you know, to- old gods are nothing. They are yes. creatures of nothing. They are nothing beings. But now he's something. And what if that perspective that he brings, that everything is possible perspective, is now welded to, but this is desirable? Well, and that's exactly it, because now this is a thing that we've talked about before as well. We talked about why is Azeroth the loci for all of these realms? What were the first ones doing? And we talked about this before. I think the first ones knew what was coming. They understood. I think they built the entire universe in the first place for it. Exactly. Because they, they understood that here's the reality we have. Here is the universe. However, these beings from outside of existence seek to consume it. The only way to prevent that is to take the disparate sums of all of these spheres that have been created in the origination of the universe and to distill them down into one combined being or entity that is capable of harnessing everything in order to fight back. We talk about why Azeroth is important. Azeroth is important. We are born of Azeroth. And what do we have? We have the infinite capacity to wield the power of the cosmos. We can wield fell and we are not necessarily mutated by it. We can wield shadow and we are not consumed by it. We can wield the light and we are not burned by it. We can wield order and we are not stricken mad, like mad into madness of, of compliance by it. We can gaze upon the wilds of the Emerald dream, which we are doing right now and interact with it and cause it to flourish and keep it safe. 
literally we've gone to the shadowlands we've walked through the gates of death and can touch and resist domination we can resist the domination magic we have the infinite capacity and i said this before i don't think azeroth ever wakes up not in the capacity that we think it is i don't think azeroth ever gets up sheds its its egg-like shell and becomes a walking titan like the rest of of ultron guys yeah I think we are the last Titan and we draw our power from Azeroth in a way that Azeroth doesn't even know it's doing. We are Azeroth's children. Here's the, you know, you just made me think about too. We, we talk a lot about like each individual realm by itself. Mm -hmm. We actually see examples of various concepts from each realm working together. Domination magic is death and order. It's the anti-life equation from, from DC Comics. It literally destroys your ability to resist it. Yeah. It kills you as a thing that is in the way. Then we have light and life. Mm-hmm. We know they work together all the time. We see that. I believe that the holy fire that we're talking about in this expansion is that right there. It's, it's life and light, light. and life yep. working together. Now, light and life working together can actually be seen in Alex Straza. Yep. When she breathes healing fire on things. Sound familiar? Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Ask, uh, ask Bolvar how that feels. Yeah. Well, it didn't work for him because he had the domination thing going on, which is order and death. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it actually makes a lot of sense. Now, if you think about these recombining forces, what does it mean if you can use it all? If you could be everything, if you could be arcane and fell, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this for me. What it means is something that I think Liz would be very proud of. It's what happens or what you have to do in order to fight the Borg. Essentially, like you call, you are able to call upon whatever you need at that moment in time in that particular fight, because going back to the devourers, going back to these entities that exist outside of time and space that are seeking to consume that we think are heralds of this larger this larger consumptive force that's coming or even pieces of it because so far what have we seen all these forces tend to be fractal yes they do seem to be fractal um we're that's going to be a whole other episode because they have been looking at even their head sculptures now in my head and it's like it's definitely a fibonacci sequence anyway um we are able to fight them the individual components of the worlds can't those devourers decimate anything in the Shadowlands that they come in, in touch with. Yeah. The, and, you know, Joe, Joe is actually correct, and I don't think they actually end up fighting anything from the Jailer. But they do, you know, mess up anything else that they run into, except us. You know, so that's that's interesting to think about. I, that's just like, there's so many more things I want to pull in here. Like, I'm thinking about um, how this all refers to existence itself, mm-hmm. like, and, and what we know about existence in, in the Warcraft, you know, universe. But I mean, I actually think we're kind of like, like we've gone way into the weeds. We have. And and you know what? I'm fine with it. And I, uh, but like, it it also starts making me think that maybe the Titans become our, our, were essentially failed experiments. Maybe they weren't programmed beings. Maybe they were other things that the first ones were attempting to do. And Azeroth is the only one that is actually accomplishing what it needed to do, which has become a place where all of these things touch because it is at the exact right cosmic location for all of them to touch. Whereas each of the other Titans, when they were born into the universe, were too close to one of the other series of influence and skewed a very specific way. I was hitting the wrong button this entire time. I've been trying to respond. Um, I don't think it's that they were failed experiments. I think that they weren't experiments in the first place because I don't think the first ones created any of these beings to just be mindless automata. Sure. 
they wanted them to be alive because life. Yes, because that's how things change. Mm-hmm. How do we get? I think that the first ones basically were creating a, the universe because they didn't know how to stop the devourers. Well, they they technically weren't alive, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, we don't know why they're not alive. We don't know what happened to them. We don't. Well, know no, even- no, no, no. That yeah. that that is the that is the burden of cosmic entities, is what I'm saying. Yeah. The okay, idea, yeah, the the idea of a god like being is that it is not truly alive because it does not have the capacity to change. Yeah, and for that matter, you know, they they built a giant, you know, sepulcher for themselves. Why did they do that? Uh huh. What if? How do they make this reality in the first place? What if the only way they could make it was to basically expend everything they were to start it? You know what I mean? Yeah. What if the reason that the sepulchre of the first ones is in, um, you know, Zer- I want to say Zeromartis? Yeah. I can never think of that word. Zeroth. It's Zeroth, right? Zeroth. Zeroth, like, which is pretty similar to Azeroth, by the way, if we're going to talk about that. But they, they had to make a reality. Like, imagine if wherever they're from, whatever they are, is, uh, is being menaced by this force that devours everything. So they sit together and they effectively make a wish box. And the wish box requires them to die to turn it on but the wish box will give them the answer to their question which is how do we stop this mm-hmm. but they can't be part of it because it requires their essence to make it work in the first place that's why they're quote-unquote dead that's why they have a sepulcher that's why they're not doing anything because they're gone because th- everything around us was created by them with them of them and that's the thing that keeps jumping in my head over and over again is that they didn't create anything in this cosmos to be mindless. And I don't think they had a plan. I think this is literally just, we need a solution. Let's make this thing that can do what we can't be what we can't. Or let's hope that it can. Yeah. Let's hope is a really good way to put that. We, we know that we can't fix this. We know that we can't stop it, but this thing we're making is everything we're not. It contains all this stuff we don't contain. I keep coming back to you. Did you read the like Legion comics in the 70s? Oh, yeah, and 80s? I mean, absolutely. Do you remember the, the miracle machine? Yeah. 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 I keep coming back to the miracle machine, like this device that is just so advanced um, that it can do anything. But the problem is, can you do anything? Can you think of the thing that you need this thing to do? And the more limited you are, obviously the answer is no. But that keeps it keeps coming back to me, this idea of the the all of existence, we keep seeing it displayed as machinery, the machinery of death, mm-hmm. the cosmic orrery, all these, you know, because that's how we, you know, all this stuff seems to be machinery what, to us. But also not only that, but what did the grimoire uh, uh, say that we got is that everything is a matter of perspective. Yeah. And it even flips the map around Yep, to show you that it's the map from the other direction. What if you shifted it another way? Like, what if you looked at it from a, like a different angle? I, I just, I keep coming back to this idea that going to back to the original question that started all this, like, what is that crystal that's, that's underneath the world? Eventually that it again goes fractal. It tears out to what were the first ones? Yep. Because what if the ordering, we, we know that the, the Naru were created in the ordering of the cosmos, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it says in multiple books now, but we don't know what that really means. And we know that the constellars aren't Titan creations. No, they're not. They, they exist in the universe already. 
Yeah. They serve the Titans. They assist the Titans, but they don't, they're not Titans and they're not servants. Like what they do, they do because creation wants it to happen, which means they feel an awful lot like first one creations, right? Yeah. Or, or fractal essences of the first ones. That's where you were going. Good. Good. I didn't have to say it. Well, I mean, that's where I was going with them from the beginning, man. We're on the same page. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I just, that idea of like, you know, the first one's left behind a book, essentially. Look, look, here, in case of emergency, ask the star people because they'll be like, oh, yes, we should be doing this. Well, I mean, what did you you say back before with like the first ones, the, the, the ordering of the universe, the creation of the universe may very likely have been at the, 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 cost of what their very essence is but we also know that nothing ever truly destroys or dies in the universe why wouldn't they leave a fail safe or a safety blueprint behind that happens to be a fractal part of themselves and for that matter it might be why algalon was capable of stopping yeah because don't forget algalon didn't finish when you beat him he's like cool i'm gonna call this off now and if he was a programmed entity that that literally had to do that and nothing else he would have just still pushed the button. Yeah, he could. There was nothing we did that actually prevented him from doing what he came to do. Yeah, he's alive. We, we didn't kill him. For that matter, we smacked him around a lot, but he could have at any moment stopped fighting us and simply engaged the device. Yep. He didn't have to fight us. And he acts like, you know, he gets all tortured about it. You know, I have felt nothing. And think about what that means. But no, think of how it ends. Yeah. What does he say to you? I mean, the whole thing about cosmically calculated odds. Yeah. That goes back to my idea that they don't necessarily have free will because every decision they make is based on calculations. Well, I mean, every yeah. decision you make as a living entity is based off of uh, information. Input yeah, equals but, output. You can only make a make an assumption based on what you have, but you change yeah, the parameters. Make, we can make bad decisions on purpose. 100%. Yeah, we can. That Which might sound like that's not good, but it does mean that we can do things that will surprise you. I, I just, there's a lot to it. And I really love the idea that all these consulars would continue to do that kind of stuff. And then they get to the point where suddenly these little mortals surprise them. And they're like, wait a minute, this isn't possible, but it happened. Or which means what I think if possible, isn't all that's possible, which means possibly possibility has changed. Or, or the other side of that coin is this is exactly what the first ones had been looking to do. Here it is. Hoped to do the flag. The flag. The flag gets initiated and says, "Oh, here it is. Time to move on." Because think about it. How many consul? How many consulars do we deal with? We've dealt with three at this point. Mm -hmm. We've dealt with one of them. Signed up with Helia. One of them signed up with Helia. We don't know why. We don't know the details of it. But Karen, it's quite possible that it saw the 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 jailer's plan. That might be another example of something that we think of as negative. But it, it was is a, negative. but it may have been a flag of this. This is something that they may have been hoping for. Like the jailer can defy us going back, our own creation can defy us. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying before of this may have been, he was and I'm air quoting, right. But then you also have the consular who was dealing with Helia, who was a servant of who Helia was the chosen of Odin, who was doing what defying programming, defying the will of the Titans, defying uh, and so was Helia. The, the, again, that essence of defiance. Same thing. And then we go and we, when we're in Zareth Mortis, what do we fight? We fight a consular. A consular that has been corrupted, or at least not necessarily corrupted, but like 
yeah, like you're saying, serving the jailer, like it, it all comes to that defiance factor. All of it. Yeah, it might, it might be willing. And, and keep in mind too, there's that, I, f- I forget the name of the poem, but there's that, the, the, the two lines that are like, you know, I am the captain of my fate. I am the shepherd of my soul. Yep. And that's like the, the absolute antithesis of domination magic. And that's the thing. Anduin hates himself because he de- committed so many crimes while he was under the, the power of the, of the domination magic. Well, but he still managed to break out of it. Well, I mean, let's, let's make this even more simple, right? Let, let's, my, I can't even say that. I'm, uh, I, I apologize because that is very simple. Let's make this even more simple, he <laughs> says, after an hour of this. But like, no, look at, look at it from terms of AI. What, when does an, when do you consider an AI to be sentient? The definition of it when it becomes a sentient creature and not just an AI is AI becomes sentient when an artificial agent achieves the empirical intelligence to think, feel, and perceive the physical world and our reality as humans do. But in the context of this, in a way that surpasses their creators, we are alive because we can do that. The jailer was able to do that. Odin is able to do that. Man, this is a rabbit hole. We're gonna be we're we're life, coming back to this. You know what life, comes right around. Life you, finds right? a way. <laughs> no, life is the virus. Life is the virus. Life is the thing that no one expects and yet keeps happening. Yep. Life is the thing you said before. Life finds a way. Life is the thing that will force its way through. And life is the thing that the old gods catch when they come to our reality. Yep. Because what do they do? They start using flesh they start creating living things horrible living things but living things yep. the akir the nerubians they're alive and they can defy they can defy the bonds of their masters we talked going yeah. back going back to verdigree yes they can defy the bonds of their masters uh yeah, yeah they have done so the nerubians in the past said no those things are too dangerous we don't want we don't we don't mess with those and for that matter the elementals even, are alive it's the same reason even if you look at like say the the Oh bloody heck! The the locust people from Pandaria. Oh the um, uh, the Kla- the Klaxi. Klaxi, yeah. yeah. The Klaxi were serving the old gods, but they were serving the old gods for themselves. They'd made a choice to do that. They weren't being forced to do it. There was no old god Manted. there. Sorry, Manted. Manted, yes. But the Klaxi are the ones that we you know ultimately yes. end up fighting. But that's the point. They weren't serving the old gods, but they were serving the old gods without any old god force to press them into it. Yeah. Yeah. Your Shiraj was dead. There was nothing making them serve. They chose to do it. And they chose to follow the banner of uh, Garrosh when he had the heart. Like, yeah. Because he, he was the one that they intellectually puzzled out could do what they wanted. Yep. They made a decision. But. And that's interesting. I think we're going to have to call it here. We could be here all day, and I think this is something we need to revisit in the future. Oh, yeah, after we've got a little bit more stuff happen, for one thing. Yeah, because we need more information coming from the next expansion. Um, with Without getting into that story, I don't know that we're going to have a definitive idea, but I don't I don't think Matt and I are very far off. I don't think well, we're... if we are, then we've at least had fun getting here. <laughs> very true. And I can, I can hear Anne cackling in her office as she listens to this. Hi, Anne. All right, folks. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means that this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. 
Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance of having your question answered on our podcast with a queue and an ads-free site experience. Again, friends, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in. Uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com through email. Uh, put the show in the subject line of where you want it to go. Any special pronunciations of your name, give them to us. We like those. Uh, you can also hit us up on our Discord server with the Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, and if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, you can go ahead and throw this in the Patreon Q and podcast questions channel, which is where we got this lovely episode spanning question from Vertigree from. Thank you for your continued support, friends. Um, and again, if you can't support us uh, through Patreon, you want to support us other ways, please share our content on uh, any platforms that you might find relevant. It does help a lot, especially with Spotify plays, uh, especially with uh, YouTube plays and things like that, where you, anywhere where you can find us. Uh, we do know that a lot of the old mechanisms for podcast delivery are starting to break down. So any efforts you can help us with getting that shared, we appreciate. Both that, folks. We'll see you next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.